are now recording. I am Jonathan Dixon. I'm here with Grandma Arta Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma. Hello, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> We're here on the My Family Her Story podcast, and it is August 4th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. And today... We are talking about the historical American events of the 1960s. A lot happened in the 1960s. Um, we fought wars. We almost fought wars. We had presidents get assassinated. President get assassinated. Uh, civil rights, um, counterculture, rock and roll. So much space. Oh, space. We landed on the moon. Um, so we're just going to go sort of year by year, starting in 1960, ending in 69 with the most important events, uh, and talk about them. So one of the first thing that happened in the 1960s is in 1960, John F. Kennedy was elected to become the president of the United States. Um, so first I want to ask a couple of questions, grandma. You were a voting adult in that election. Um, did you vote for John F. Kennedy or did you vote for the other guy? The other guy? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to remember who it was, and right now I can't. But... Well, was it, was I don't it Richard know. Nixon? Um, I don't know. I'm sure someone listening to this knows, but I yeah. don't. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, I. What did you think of of John F. Kennedy? Well, he was everybody's darling. The whole world loved him and Jackie Kennedy. They they were. They were young, and attractive, and vibrant people. And the the people of the world loved them. They thought they were just a, a fantastic president and and a beautiful, wonderful wife, first lady. And <clears throat> so that part was was interesting and entertaining because they were because they were such interesting and entertaining people. So. We liked him all right in that regard. I didn't agree with all his policies, but in general, I think he did a good job as president. He was very young, seemed like a seemed like just a young young man uh, seemed like a boy to me. <laughs> I looked it up, and it was Nixon that he ran against and beat. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what came to my mind. I. I don't want to get ahead of the story and say too much about Nixon after he became president, but I always liked him, and uh, I felt like that he was had been groomed by the pre by uh, Eisenhower 
who he was the vice president to Eisenhower, and he sent him all over the world, and I felt like this young man had been groomed to become the president and to do a great job as president. And, and I was personally devastated when it turned out that he had to be had to be had to resign and and leave the presidency because I felt like that that he had been so well prepared that it should have been a really fantastic presidency and it was good to a certain extent but apparently he couldn't to tell the truth so <laughs> So that was the sad part about that. But, and I didn't mean to get ahead of the story, but you just interject that about, about Richard Nixon. And, uh, what and, did, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, what did the people around you think? What, like your community, church, neighbors, family, what did they think of John F. Kennedy? Well, it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty political decision. Yeah. If you if you were felt like you were a Democrat voter, why he could do no wrong, and if you felt like you were a Republican voter, why some of the some of his political uh, agendas were not to our liking, but, but, uh, we're talking about things that happened a long time ago, and, uh, I've, I don't even, I can't even remember now what specifically I did like or didn't like about, That's fair. about him. That's fair. Well, John F. Kennedy will be the president for the first half of our conversation, um, next in 1961, so the space race is in full force at this point. We talked in the 50s episode about the beginning of the space race and how, uh, almost upset you, you and people around you were that the Soviets got Sputnik up before we got anything. Um, the Soviets beat us on two more, uh, race, like finish lines in 1961, they put, uh, Yuri Gargarin in space before we put anyone in space. And then in 66, they put an unmanned vessel on the moon before we did. <laughs> Spoilers. We end up putting a person on the moon first. So I guess we win, but like, what did you, were you aware of the, of the Soviets putting, um, a man into space when it happened? Yes, we were. We heard about all of that. <laughs> the, the, um, the race between the Soviets and the and the United States was top news all the time. We knew those th ev all those things that happened. We knew about them immediately. It was it was big news, and everybody was kind of tuned into to all of those things and that uh, competition that was going on between the two between the two nations 
this was a time that was called the Cold War. And uh, the Soviets, the Soviets were being very, very um, aggressive in trying to, to put shame on the United States, trying to show that we were less capable and less able than they were, things like that. And I'm sure the United States was trying to show up the Soviets in the same way. But there was more than just a competition going on. There, there was, were strong, strong feelings. Strong feelings of fear, strong feelings of antagonism, strong feelings of anxiety. Is this going to, is this going to escalate into a hot war? Is this cold war going to become a hot war? And so there was always anxiety. There was always a certain amount of worry for fear of for fear some really angry Soviet leader would push the red button and set off the nuclear war that, uh, that we were all worried about. And it was, it was real, it was very real. We built our, we built our home in 1960 and moved into it in the middle of 1961. And we built a bomb shelter in our house. Yeah, it's your food storage room now. I've been in it. Lead-lined lead walls and uh, bomb shelter in your basement. Yes, we, we built it according, according to... We built it according to two sets of, of uh, parameters for, for a shelter. One was to make it a bomb shelter so that should bombs be falling out of the sky, traditional kinds of bombs be falling out of the sky, they, we would have a place to be safe inside. They could not break down our, our large cement walls. The other thing was to make it so that it would be safe from nuclear fallout. So we built it with a certain kind of a turn, a, a corner to be turned so that should, should, should it be a nuclear uh, attack, then the, the nuclear fallout would go straight in and would not be able to turn the corner like, like it, where it is in the in our in our bomb shelter we also had installed i think they're still in there i think i think the the two um air air pumps i don't know what exactly what to call them but they were they were hand cranks that would bring uh fresh air in from the outdoors um and those were designed in such a way that should there be nuclear fallout that would not get into the pipe that we were bringing air in from the 
from the outside into so the... So it would filter the outside air and... and yeah, and and keep it from... It would not... Had it had a kind of a lid on it so that when... So that nuclear fallout would fall straight down and and land going straight down. And so it wouldn't necessarily come in if it ha- if we had a lid over the outside of the of the air conduit that we had to bring it in all of those were scientific scientifically designed at the time but we built them right into our house so you know how how we knew that it was a a real threat it wasn't just it wasn't just a a worry it was a real threat that was that was in in our society and these two very very powerful nations were at odds with each other and always a worry for fear uh, somebody who wasn't thinking clearly might might push those buttons and set off the rockets which would bring the nuclear warheads right across the ocean and and to either either direction either from us to them or from them to us it was it was real and there was always that anxiety and that threat around and one i don't know when this happened but one of the one of the um, presidents of of uh, soviet russia came to the united states to speak at the United Nations, which was in New York City. And he he was a very dramatic personality. He took off his shoe and he kept saying, we will bury you. And he took his shoe and pounded on the pulpit in front of him with his shoe. This was Nikita Khrushchev that did this, and and pounded on the on the table to to emphasize his words. We will bury you. We will bury you. <laughs> it was though these were real threats. You know, we hoped that all of the leaders would have enough. self-control or control of their emotions and their and their words to make it so that we would not start up a nuclear war but we didn't know that we didn't know that we were building nuclear bombs they were building nuclear bombs we knew that each other was preparing for this holocaust that could take place and we didn't know at any given time whether it would actually happen that brings me right to the next uh thing i wanted to talk about which is next year in 1962 um this is probably the closest our planet has ever come to apocalypse was the cuban missile crisis uh where the cold war almost sparked into a hot war cuba um, closely allied with Soviet Russia 
wanted nukes on the island, and that would have put them within uh, striking distance of most of the United States. And the United States saw that as a military action. They said, we will, we will literally go fight you, Russia and Cuba, if you put nukes on Cuba and Cuba. It was, it was a standoff, a 13-day standoff where Soviet nuclear submarines off the coast of Cuba and American nuclear um, boats just almost two weeks um, stood off in the waters around Cuba. Uh, were you aware of this as it was going on? I, I can't tell you right now if, if we knew about that as it was happening or not because this was a a top secret uh, thing that was going on and they did not want the public to get panicked over it. Got it. So right now I can't tell you whether we knew about it during those 13 days or if we learned about it kind of at the end of the 13 days. So, okay, so it was sort of something that... Um... <laughs> They, they they let the public know once it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Any once once the danger had passed. It seems like it was that way, but uh, that that is just that is just typical of what went on. There was a lot of things being done secretly because they didn't want the public to be panicked and if people get into a panic, you don't always know how they're going to react. And so this was a, this was one of the things that a lot of things that went on during this time we did not know about until afterwards. Got it. Got but it. they tried to keep us abreast of what was going on, especially on the space race. But then that was not something where we felt like that we were going to to go to war over we and so i think that might be one of the reasons why there was a lot more intelligence spread forth about the space race than there was about maybe the cuban missile crisis yeah that makes sense because it's like oh no they put a man in space it's sort of like not as eminently threatening as like oh they want to put nukes <laughs> right next to us like i can understand why they might the government might uh, want to broadcast some stories and then really hold others close to the chest. Yeah. Well, I can tell that you guys took uh, the nuclear threat seriously because you built a bunker into your basement. And uh, it wasn't until uh, much later that the nuclear threat, that the heightened tension started to die down. But... Um, Lots of other stuff happened in the 1960s, uh, so I'd like to move on from the Cold War to something a little more lighthearted. Um, another thing that happened in 1962 is the Beatles formed and released their first album, uh, their first single, Love Me Do. Um, I think the Beatles are probably the most popular band that will ever happen, because now with the internet there's a lot of... Uh, dispersion, dispersing of popularity and fame, but the Beatles sort of dominated the airwaves. What did you and Don think of the Beatles when they first started 
uh, being played? Well, they were a, they were a very different type of music than what we had known before, and we were a little frightened about them. We were a little nervous that it, they might be teaching our our kids, uh, the young generation coming up, we thought, worried that they might be teaching them uh, to disregard the, the standards of the past. And I think there was a certain amount of that went on. Um, Especially in some of their later albums. I'm, I'm a big Beatles fan, so I, I know I the know. early Beatles versus later Beatles. Right. So that that was that was a little bit of a worry to us at first, and but they did sweep the world. They just they just were very very popular, and at that time this phenomenon came on where the where the young people would go to the concerts and and shriek and and yell and and make a lot of make a lot of noise and uh, if they if they knew one of these uh, uh, rock stars was was uh, coming into a, a town or a place they'd go to meet them at the at the airport or at the train station and and have kind of almost like a little mob would come and there'd be all that all that shouting and and screaming and like that and all of these things were a little disconcerting to people like me that kind of feel like like there's a lot like things should be a little calmer than mm -hmm. that but we just decided we just decided early on that we would that we would hold a tight rein on our on our kids and try to make sure that they that they understood the gospel principles and understood the that what what we expected of them in behavior and things like that and holding tight to those to those things so it was it was a challenge it was a big challenge uh, there later on there were some some big uh, groups that met together that were being really against this social standards So it was it was something that that we had to that we had to try to meet meet those challenges and make sure that our children came through still with with the good with the right the gospel standards that we that we have always held so dear In the 60s, actually, this is a question for later. Um, so it sounds like the Beatles came by storm and 
I guess my question would be, your kids were coming into junior high aged, uh, at least my mom was. Uh, my mom remembers the Beatles very well. From your perspective as a parent, did your did your children like the Beatles as they as they first showed up on the scene? Yeah, they did. They liked the Beatles, and they liked the they liked those uh, songs that they that they sang. And and uh, I heard some discussion by young people not too long ago about that that song about the. American Pie. <laughs> they were trying to figure out what it meant. <laughs> this is kids of today. And I thought, in those, in the day when it first came out, they thought about it and they talked about it and they sang it and they listened to it, but nobody paid any attention to what it meant. <laughs> Yeah. I think that still happens today with a lot of songs. You just know the lyrics and the tune and then you just sing it. <laughs> yeah. This was this was a new this was a new thing because mainly we always understood what the songs were about and, and along with the Beatles and and others they were not the only ones that were doing this but along with along with them came this idea about about lyrics that just had no had no meaning at all yeah it's sort of like the listener's supposed to find their own meaning my my wife is an artist and she she talks about the difference between paintings that are like of something like a person or a landscape versus paintings that are just colors <laughs> just like shapes and colors and and they have no inherent meaning you're supposed to figure that out on your own and and songs started to do this during this time yeah they did some of that was a little disconcerting to conservative persons like myself <laughs> so in 1963 um for the i think second time no there was a couple others but for the first time in living memory, at up till that point, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Um, what impact did that have on you and your family and your circle? Well, this was something that we just could not believe. We just felt like that that society had got really out of hand. And we could not believe that we would that in our day, in our enlightened time, we would have an assassination of the president. That was that was just unbelievable and very, very upsetting, of course. I remember I remember first hearing it and just sitting down in absolute astonishment and listening to the report on the on the television about about the president and then we just hung on for every word that came along to we 
to see if we could figure out who in the world would do such thing and why and like that. It was just kind of unbelievable that we would do that because we felt like that we had progressed beyond that kind of that kind of thing and here it was ha it happened here it happened and it was just very upsetting later that year in 1963 uh big year um the historic March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, led by Martin Luther King, was convened and, and over 400,000 people crowded into the uh, lawn in front of the Lincoln Memorial to hear the famous I Have a Dream speech. Uh, were you aware of that um, movement as it was going on? Yes, those kind of things were in the news, and we knew about it, and and we heard about it. We knew that there was a big, a big uh, uh, movement going on to to give civil rights to the to the to the blacks and the. I didn't, uh, I didn't, don't remember hearing that, that speech say on its first, on its first broadcast, but it certainly was rebroadcast many times and, and talked about it and comments made about it and so on. And Don and I had lived in the South in 1955 and we were quite aware of especially in the south where this uh, where the kind of behavior against the blacks was prominent and we didn't we didn't we didn't grow up with that kind of feelings we didn't have those kind of 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 tensions in our lives first of all there weren't very many blacks that lived in the state of utah a few but not very many and so they were basically being absorbed into the just into the general community that wherever they lived there we didn't have things like uh, that they had to sit at the back of the bus or that they had to have separate toilets and things like that that wasn't in our lives in Utah there, we didn't feel that prejudice but when we lived in the south we felt it strongly people that were people that were very good people just thought that 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 was the way you treated blacks and we that was very surprising to us we didn't understand why that was 
we didn't understand why that was going on. We didn't understand why there was such a thing as the Ku Klux Klan. We didn't understand why people felt, had those feelings. And so we sort of sided with Martin Luther King and, and others who were trying to change the, change the nature of, of what we call civil rights today. We just felt like that those were rights were guaranteed by the Constitution and we should have had them all along. But uh, Agreed. <laughs> but we, we knew that uh, just a, a, a personal uh, experience that we had Don worked in the in the kitchen. He was a cook, and he got acquainted with some some uh, some black persons, soldiers that worked in the kitchen area where he was. He got acquainted with them, and so he invited them to come to church with him. And he said, "Oh, I can't do that. I wouldn't be welcome in your church." And, and Don said, why, of course you would. And he said, no, he says, I'm not going to risk it. He says, I'm not going to make it, uh, give an opportunity for to have a, a problem come up in your church. I'm not, I'm just not going to go because I wouldn't be welcome. And so we just made quiet inquiries amongst people that we were familiar with in, in, our, in our church. And we learned that they would not be welcome in our church. And this was a big surprise to us because back home in Utah, where we grew up and had lived all our lives, they would have been welcome if they just showed up at our church. They, we didn't have very, people come to our church much because we lived in a small town and and it was quite homogenous but but that was just a big surprise to us and then as time went along and we observed what was happening in the south and then and then it escalated as time went on because people were picking up on that, uh, picking up on that idea that that it was time to make changes. Then some of those things that we had talked about actually began to come to pass, and we saw that uh, the changes were being made. The changes were trying to be enforced, and our country was struggling, really struggling, with the, the changing ideas because so many people didn't want anything to change, and so many other people wanted it to change. And so it was a, a divisive time and a a period of of great struggle so 
we knew about we knew about that massive march on Washington, and I worried that it might become violent. That one actually did not, but we did have a lot of violence going on in our in the country over other other issues like like now <laughs> like now it isn't it isn't resolved yet it's so this is uh related to the civil rights movement um but it's sort of a smaller question uh Lyndon B Johnson the president after um John F Kennedy signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, sort of an expansion on one that happened in 1957. Did you see any changes in your life or in society because of this, um, because of this piece of law? Well, there were two kinds of changes. There were those who, who really favored it, favored the changes, and uh, like, like Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, but you know that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Yep. And that just il illustrates how strongly people felt about this and i don't i don't know why i still don't know why kennedy was assassinated but i know why martin luther king was assassinated they wanted an end to these changes but they couldn't get it through that way but there were there were just there were just many people who were very much opposed to changing any of this. And then, of course, there were other people who, who wanted the, the blacks to have their, their power, I mean, their rights, their civil rights, and like that, and We went through we went through a real struggle during those the during those uh, years there to try to get this to actually come about in the in the nation. We had this thing about mandating that if we had if we if we had segregated schools they had to be equal and other people didn't want them to be segregated they wanted them to be integrated and so we had incidents where police officers escorted black children to go to school in an integrated school Various things like that were going on, and and it was a time of upheaval. It was a time of real struggle, real change, and so there were some incidents in which 
uh, the people on one side really were trying to force the other side to accept them, and then people were very unhappy about that as well. And there was unrest going on throughout the whole nation. The I don't know the sequence of these things. They're just in my memory. But uh, we had riots on college campuses. And people were... Mobs would were gathered together and people were looting and destroying property and all kinds of that ha that happened in college campuses we had a big riot going on in a place in California called Watts and there was a lot of a lot of happening there but but demonstrators would go wild and do all this kind of stuff which I don't think helped their cause any <laughs> but these things were going on and so we personally tried to be moderate and be in in favor of the in favor of the changes but but we certainly didn't feel like the all of this rioting and this kind of uh, thing was the right was the right answer, and we didn't hold with that either. So it was it was kind of hard, you know. You couldn't you couldn't be I couldn't be really strong on one side or the other because I felt like that they were using the wrong tactics to get what they wanted even though I felt like their cause was just. Can you follow me on that? Yeah, and I, I, I very much empathize with you considering the last two years <laughs> of, uh, of, of uh, our country's history, 2020 and 21. Um, in 1968, uh, like you said, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Um, when you heard about the assassination of Martin Luther King, was it, um, how, how, uh, was that? Like, explain how that affected you. Extreme, extreme sadness. I just, I just felt like that was so wrong for, but in the meantime, we'd also had, uh, Robert Kennedy assassinated, who was, uh, he was the brother of of President Kennedy, and he was also the Attorney General, I think, if I remember it right. He had a he had a responsible position in the government. These kind of things, to me, were ju were just so wrong, and we just we just like we're doing today, we pray for the country to be moderated and to come together and to change their attitudes about 
about the problems that were going on. The Vietnam War came, well, I don't remember when that started. Whether it had to do with, with Lyndon Johnson, but I can't remember. I can't remember the whole history of that right now. I can't say it, how it was, but I know that that was another thing that people were very much upset about. Yeah, it's actually the next thing I'm going to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> but all of these, all of these things, it just seemed to me like the whole country. We weren't in war against another nation. We were sort of in war within ourselves. Uh, and to me, it was extremely sad. I just wanted the wanted people to accept each other and be decent. Be decent. That's a, a word that seemed to me to be a to have been lost was decency, civility, and respect. Yeah, all of those things that you're saying. Just it was just a really time of upheaval. See, you asked me about the music. All these other things were going on. The music reflected, and I worried that the music was making it worse. Mm -hmm. Or, or was it was it a big release of tensions and? and making it so that they could calm down all of that you know there's so much question and so much wonder in all of that it's a big thinking back on those days I just think we were tense we were worried we were we were trying to live a normal life and so much strangeness going on that it was a big time of upheaval. And yet we had we were having our children. We were trying to teach our children. We were just having a, a good time enjoying each other and our and our little ones and and a lot of things were going along and being normal and very well. Yeah, and, would before we started recording today you were looking back through your family book. You were like flipping through the 60s looking for anything that had to do with any of the world events and it was all just happy stories of going on trips and and like seeing your kids and it's sort of like these things were happening in the world but not to you and yours yeah it, it reminds me of in the last general conference how we were told just because peace is taken from the world generally doesn't mean peace needs to be taken from you personally and I, I think I think that's one of the reasons that I'm pretty calm about what's going on in the world today because I've been through that. I've been through the Great Depression, World War II, the, the two more wars after that, the Vietnam War and, and, the, and the upheaval of the 60s. I've been through all of that and I know that it's possible to live quietly and happily in spite of all the other things that are going on in the world. So I don't get 
I'm riding the wave. I don't get real alarmed about everything that's happening. Because I've seen it go bad and then good and go bad and then good and go bad and then good yeah. right all the way up through my life. Anyway, I feel I feel comfortable in today's world in spite of the fact that it's very it's very uh, unpeaceful in the world. I liked what you quoted about about we can have peace in our lives and in our hearts when there is no peace in the world. We can still have it in ourselves. So that's just it's how we react to what's going on that makes the difference. Yeah. The next thing I wanted to ask you about is the Vietnam War was a colossal impact on the culture and feeling of America. Uh, my mom growing up used to tell me stories of she had friends um, who died in Vietnam. Um, how did Vietnam, the war, and the anti-war protests uh, affect you and your family? Well, we tried to do that. We tried to do that very same thing that I was talking about, where we can distance ourselves from the from the violence and the unrest by just concentrating on our family and having joyous times together that way. Uh, that was, seemed to me the way that we got through it and the way that we were able to to manage our own personal lives in the midst of all this uproar. I didn't feel like that I didn't agree with the with the the war. I didn't agree with a lot of what what was going on then, but I also felt like that it was wrong to go against our government and to go against what the country was doing uh, and be violent against the violence shall we say. <laughs> so, uh, I, again, tried to kind of be moderate in, in the whole thing. We all knew, we all knew people that went to war. We all knew people that, that didn't go to war. And some of our people, like, went up to Canada to avoid going to Vietnam in the, as soldiers, just like ran away. I didn't feel like that was the right thing to do either, but uh, I didn't feel like it was right to fight against what our country was doing because I've in the first place, I felt like that they were right to go in there and try to help those those nations that were uh, being overrun by the communists. In the second place, on the opposite side of that, is that I didn't feel like the the war was handled in the way that it should possibly have been or probably have been handled. I didn't feel. I didn't feel super 
happy about the way that the government was running the war or whatever. Uh, it just it just was a kind of a time when I felt like I had to stand back and be hands off of a lot of things. Yeah, a, a reoccurring theme so far is how it's been. It was sort of a time of extremes, and you were you were very much uh, uh, trying to find the middle path. Yeah, the like the like. Yes, I agree with Martin Luther King, but I, I don't agree with like violence in the streets. Uh, yes. I I uh I agree that the war needs to be handled better but I don't agree with violent anti-war p- protests like yes I the a lot of I'm sensing a theme here that I think um would be a good thing to have emulated in in our current time. Yeah, I I just I just think that we should be doing that very same sort of thing today because because we've got opinions strong opinions on on many sides i was going to say on both sides but there's more more sides than two <laughs> of the of these uh, of these things that are going on in the opinions and so on and uh, i don't like i don't want to appear that i've just got my head in the sand and trying not to get involved in any in any part of it but rather than that i feel like that that we need to we need to calm down on both sides both sides are being very very uh wild against the other side and i don't agree with either either part of that kind of behavior so the last thing i want to ask you about the events of the 60s is actually it's a happy thing i think it's a happy thing um, in 1969, we did it. We landed on the moon. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin went up and broadcast to the whole earth the famous one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Um, describe to me the night of the moon landing. What was that like for you and your family? Well, it was... It was so exciting. It was so wonderful to think that we had... I That was one of the things that Kennedy did that I really agreed with was to do the, the space uh, program. And uh, I've forgotten now which president scuttled it, and I thought, no, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. We need we need to be learning, and so anyway, it it was so exciting to me. I'll just I can't remember if I've talked about this before or not, but I just want to back up a a few a year or a few years or something. Sure, sure. And say we still we still lived in Provo in a in a a duplex. And around the time that Don was going to the BYU and starting his building career, and we lived in this little duplex, and I, I remember that night very well. 
this was the night that we launched a man and he actually went outside of Earth's orbit and went into space. And we weren't going anywhere. He was just going out there and then coming back. And uh, But I went outside and I just stood there and I stared up at the stars and I thought, we're, we're breaking a barrier that has been on the earth forever and we're breaking that barrier and we are going beyond earth's atmosphere and we are going out into the vastness of the universe and i just stood there and stared at the stars and thought about what a wonderful moment in history this was and that was kind that was reflected again in when when we actually landed a man on the moon. Can we really do this, you know? Can we really, is this really going to happen? Can we really send li living persons out and land them on that, that moon? It's not a planet, but like a little planet <laughs> around our bigger one yeah but i just i was very very excited about that and uh, this happened on uh, this happened on evan's birthday on july the 15th 20th july the 20th um and he, so I had him, I had him sit by the TV in the, the, the TV was showing what was going on on the news at that, at that moment. And it was, I just said, this is a, moment in history, Evan. You need to sit here and be photographed <laughs> with the TV showing what what's going on out there. This is this is an important thing. And just I want I want to mention this because I think this is important the these things aren't happening because mankind has suddenly become a whole but whole bunch smarter than they used to be these things these marvelous things are going on in society because According to the scriptures, the Lord is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. He's giving, giving us a greater amount of his knowledge. And that is why we're able to do these things. My, the first part of my life was basically the same as 
the pioneers and everybody before that. We used horses to pull the wagons out to do our farm work. We didn't didn't get electricity in my house until until in my memory, and I can't remember how old I was when that happened, but we didn't get running water inside of our house until I was four. My The first part of my life was just like everybody for the 7,000 years before that. <clears throat> but since then, look at what's happened. And just in my lifetime, and I'm I'm 92 now, and that so that's been that's been around 90 years of my memory. We've had we've we've had we started when I was going to school. They started to teach us what they called the Industrial Revolution. And like in the 1800s, say from 1830 on, we began to get mechanical devices. We got automobiles, we got trains, we got airplanes, we got all kinds of things that made it possible for us to go forward. This was the time that the that the gospel was being restored and the these important things were those important things were happening as well as the the pouring out of knowledge upon the heads of people in the world. Well, we got all of those things that I've just mentioned, and then gradually we just began to get more things, things inside the house, refrigerators, washing machines. <laughs> uh, after a while, in my, in my memory, in after the after we put all that effort into into two world wars, then we began to have uh, television. We began to have uh, we got it such a thing as a, a computer. We got such thing as a cell phone. We've got such... <laughs> the list goes on and on. thing is the internet, and we got all of these things. And without these things, we could not have put a man on the moon. We could not have sent a man to Mars. Uh, 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 I don't mean a man. Like I a rover? A, a like rover a, to Mars. Yeah. A, a space probe that would go all the way to Mars. We couldn't have done any of those kind of things. We... Now we have these computers that can figure out all kinds of things that we didn't even dream existed before this. 
we couldn't have made a vaccine for for polio or smallpox or the the huh, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Record speed on the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Well, we couldn't have done all of those things without these other things being being foundational. And we have no idea where it's going to go from here. There is so much available, so many things that are going to happen in the future that we have not yet dreamed of. So I just, <clears throat> I just see what is happening is the... The Lord is in charge. Yeah. I agree. So, we've talked a lot about the 60s today. Um, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of good change. There was a lot of hard change. There was uh, a lot for you and your family to, to keep track of. Overall, what are some of the lessons you learned from the 60s? that you want people today and in the future to know? I've already talked about some of those lessons that we, that we should be, that we should be treating each other with more kindness, that people should be People are the most important thing, and we should be treating each other with respect, civility, gentility, and all of those things. We, and we should be according other people their rights and privileges the same as what we might want ourselves. The, the principles of the gospel are very, very basic to the involvement uh, of good things in our lives. And without cooperation between individuals, we could not have these important things happen so that's one of the main things is to jesus taught it plainly do unto others the way you would like them to do unto you <laughs> that's just that's the kind of thing love one another respect one another honor one another these are the kinds of things that we need to learn whether they're whether they're whether they have one set of opinions or another set of opinions isn't what matters what matters is that those persons with those opinions are worthy of our respect these are important things to remember and then we don't have to fight uh, with demonstrations and riots and and hard things like that we don't have to do that we could 
get along with each other and have good things happen in the lives of all of us. And that would be much better than fighting, rioting, demonstrating, looting. <laughs> I don't know what words to use, but all of these kind of things where, where we're at odds with each other, that, that all of that should be discarded and we should be cooperating together and trying to make the world a better place. Well said. Grandma, thank you for having this conversation today. I always look forward to it. And um, that's all for this week. Thank you very much, uh, Jonathan. You you do a good job with these questions and the way you bring bring your point your your points up. I think you do a, a marvelous job. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you for putting it on the record. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>